Radio. Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear loving God, we give you thanks and praise for the countless blessings that you pour on us every day. So many blessings that we just take for granted and oblivious to your grace and your love for us. We thank you, Lord. Dear Lord, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit and to be with us, be in our hearts, as we look at this topic today of understanding your will of living in the present moment and of imitating your Blessed Mother, to be able to surrender our lives with joyful trust and complete confidence and to be able to say with Mary, let it be done to me according to your word. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Blessed Pierre Giorgio, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the time of this recording, the Church has just celebrated the Feast of the Annunciation and Divine Mercy Sunday. And our topic today looks at something that allows us to draw great wisdom for our spiritual journey from both these great feasts. And that's the topic of trusting and abandoning ourselves to God's will. In the responsorial psalm for the Feast of the Annunciation, it's drawn from Psalm 39. And the response is, Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. You do not ask for sacrifice or offerings, but an open ear. You do not ask for holocaust or victim. Instead, here am I. In the scroll of the book, it stands written that I should do your will. My God, I delight in your law in the depth of my heart. Your justice I have proclaimed in the great assembly. My lips I have not sealed. You know it, O Lord. I have not hidden your justice in my heart, but declared your faithful help. I have not hidden your love and your truth from the great assembly. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. And so it's a beautiful responsorial psalm that sets up for the gospel story where Mary would say, Let it be done to me according to your word. And they all speak about surrendering and trusting in God. And of course there are many other texts in the Old Testament which talk about the importance of doing the will of God. In Luke 1.28 we read, And he, which is the angel Gabriel, 
came to Mary and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. A little bit further on, the text reads, And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then a little bit further on, it concludes with Mary saying, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And one can easily understand how at that moment when Mary said those words, Be it done to me according to your word, all of heaven would have erupted in joy and praise. Because at that moment the entire universe is changed forever at the voice of this young 14-year-old girl so that you and I could have salvation so that God could be made man. And in the words of the Apostle John, who writes, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it was all made possible through Mary's consent to the will of God. Now, some people argue that the will of God is meant to be interpreted only as merely not sinning. They say that the will of God is not meant for us to be lived out in an everyday way of life. Well, today we want to explore what we mean by the will of God and show that doing the will of God is much more than merely not sinning. It is indeed a lifestyle available to us with unlimited graces. So how do we live this in a practical way? Well, in the life of Mary, we have the perfect disciple of Jesus and we can learn much about how we should live out our Christian life. Let's propose the question, what if Mary would have said no to the angel Gabriel? Or perhaps even a more fundamental question is, could Mary have said no? Well, the answer is Mary could have freely chosen to say no. Mary has been given many gifts, but she's not some kind of spiritual robot. What makes Mary great is her freely accepting and cooperating with the will of God in her life. If she had said no, then God would have had to intervene again some other way to bring about his will. But of course we know that Mary knew that her happiness was found in living out the will of God in every moment of her life. She was happy to say yes. We see when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's struggling with his suffering and seeing the sin of the world and realizing how many souls would be lost in spite of the passion and death that he would go through. But in the end, he says to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. And then Jesus gives us that beautiful prayer, the Our Father. We really see it come clear here the importance of living out God's will in our lives. Let's just take those first two lines of the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is teaching us to ask the Father that the will of God be done on earth. In other words, that we live out the will of God in our own lives. Notice that the will of God is not meant to be just a heavenly thing. Jesus precisely desires it on earth because it exists that way in heaven. It is not just some hypothetical ideal that Jesus is offering us. Jesus wants the Father's will to be a reality for us in our everyday lives. Notice too that Jesus links this with the kingdom of God reigning on earth. We may well ask the question, is the coming of the kingdom of God on earth really a possibility? Or is that something that can only happen in heaven? Well, it would seem by the prayer of Jesus that the kingdom of God and living out the will of God is indeed a very real possibility. And in fact, they are intimately linked together. I suppose it's easy to look at the state of our world today and say that the concept of Christians living out the will of God in their lives and the concept that God's kingdom will reign on earth someday, well, it may even seem a bit fantasiful. It wasn't that long ago, I suppose, when the world thought that the Berlin Wall and the communist Iron Curtain would never change either. But it did happen, as history reveals. If we link this concept of God's kingdom reigning on earth with the messages that Our Lady has been giving the world in her apparitions in the last hundred years, where Mary and indeed some of the other great saints like St. Louis de Montfort speak of a wonderful era of peace that awaits the human race, in which God will be glorified, then perhaps we should not be surprised that one day the kingdom of God would become a reality. After all, Jesus has had us praying this for the last 2,000 years. Why should we be surprised one day if this prayer is answered and his kingdom does reign? But in any case, we need to live the present moment, always through the eyes of the resurrection. We are people of hope. We are people that want to live in the present moment, sharing it in and through Christ. To bring Christ into our present day, into our families, our homes and our workplace. And the best way to bring Christ into the present moment is to surrender every moment to the will of God, just like Mary did. There's a beautiful classic spiritual work and it deals specifically with this topic. It's a book called Abandonment to Divine Providence. And it's also known in recent years by the title The Sacrament of the Present Moment. Now this book is a great spiritual classic. It's one of the all-time greats. And the background to this book is quite a fascinating story. It actually consists of many letters written by a Jesuit priest, Jean-Pierre de Cassard back in the 1700s. And this book has been a top seller for many decades now. But the amazing thing was, he never knew he even wrote a book. <laughs> Father de Cassard was the spiritual director of the nuns of the Visitation Convent in France, in a town called Nancy, from 1733 to 1740. And during this time, and after he left Nancy, 
he wrote letters of instructions to the nuns. Now the sisters, they treasured these letters and they gathered them together and then much later after his death, they were published as a single book. It's a very easy to read. It's simple yet profound wisdom on how to live a holy life. And it's all based on the concept of living the will of God in all the events of our everyday life and living it in the present moment. Not dwelling on the past, not fearing for the future, but living out the present moment doing the will of God. And this is precisely how Our Lady lived her life. And this is how Jesus wants us to live our lives today. And the great news is that in living this way of life, we are bringing about the coming of the kingdom of God that will reign on earth. So whether it happens in our lifetime or not is not really important. What is important is that we live the best holy lives we can. And living out the will of God in each moment is the best way we can achieve holiness. I mentioned earlier that our topic today was also linked with the Divine Mercy message. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Divine Mercy message, can I recommend that you have a listen to the talk that I presented on this. If you go to the Cradio homepage and just type in the search Divine Mercy, it will come up a list of topics on Divine Mercy. And there's a talk I have there called What is the Message of Divine Mercy? And it covers the whole message and all the aspects of the message. Really encourage you to be familiar with this message. You may think you know about mercy, but my experience is most people are amazingly surprised at how powerful the message of divine mercy is. It's much more than what most people realize. We don't have time to go in it today, but the point I mentioned it is because the image of the divine mercy is a crucial part of the message. And the image that Jesus gave St. Faustina was the two rays of light coming from his heart. And in the bottom signature was, Jesus, I trust in you. And this is really important, the trust. Jesus, I trust in you. I've come to learn in my own life that to really trust in Jesus is not as simple as it sounds. It really isn't. And you understand why Jesus put that signature on the image to keep calling us back to trust. Because we can't live the will of God if we're not trusting God. If we're fearful or we don't trust or we're hesitant, we're not going to be able to abandon and let go and allow God to drive. We're going to be want to drive instead. Or at the very least, we'll be a backseat driver. But no, we have to let go and trust. Trust is very important. When Jesus spoke to St. Faustina about trust, this is what he said. The graces of my mercy are drawn by means of one vessel only, and that is trust. The more a soul trusts, the more it will receive. Souls that trust boundlessly are great comfort to me because I pour all the treasures of my graces into them. I rejoice that they ask for much, because it is my desire to give much, very much. So very powerful words there of Jesus about the importance of trust and how he gives graces in proportion to how much we trust. 
So we're called to trust in Jesus in every occasion of our life. But of course, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it is really difficult. If we look at the book of Job in the Bible, it's all about how Job would give praise and thanks to God no matter what happened to him. Even when Job was struck down with calamities in his life, Job persisted to trust and abandon his life to the will of God. And of course, at the end of the story of Job, we read how God rewarded him with many graces and blessings because he held on to his faith during those difficult times. How do we abandon our lives to the will of God from a human standpoint when sometimes everything seems to be so bad? Well, it raises the question, what exactly is the will of God? Does the will of God link only with things that are unpleasant and difficult? Is that the way you see the will of God? Sadly, many people see the will of God as something of a heavy burden. But in fact, it's not the case. The will of God is the best thing that can happen to us. And we'll always struggle with this surrendering if we don't get this right into our mind and our hearts. The will of God is the best thing that can happen to me. Do we believe this? If not, then something crucial is missing from our understanding of who God is. We need to pray and reflect on this and maybe even ask for healing for those wounds or those fears that have distorted this truth. Why can we be so confident that the will of God is the best thing that can happen to us? Well, because God is love and every one of his actions is an act of love. Even when he allows us to experience what we regard as misfortune. Every act of God is to bring about our well-being and our goodness and our holiness. And the ultimate happiness anyone can experience is to be present with God. Both here on earth in this life and in heaven for all eternity. So all of God's love has this ultimate happiness as its goal. Every decision that God makes is aiming towards this goal. And sometimes that's steeped in mystery. It's not black and white. We can take comfort that the secret to discover Christian wisdom is to look for the paradox. Our Christian faith is full of paradox. We talk about virgin mother. We say to be rich we give it all away. We say if we die to ourselves, we'll receive eternal life. And we take the gift of our free will and we give it back to God to experience what it truly means to be free. Okay, so how do we practically live out this total abandonment to the will of God like Mary did? Well, first of all, we have to be aware that we'll never be able to live God's will, nor will we get any sense of what God's will is in a given moment if we do not pray. We must pray, otherwise we have no relationship with Jesus or Mary. Quality prayer time. You hear people say, oh, my work is my prayer. I'm sorry. Quality prayer time 
is one-to-one -one time with Jesus. Yes, it is possible to do work and offer it up as a prayer, but you must have that quality, intimate prayer time. If you don't have that, you're really kidding yourself about your prayer time as your work. It's got to be grounded in quality prayer time, and only then can work very slowly become a meaningful prayer. People ask, well, how long should I pray? It's a difficult question to answer. But I think the best answer I've heard is, whatever time you regularly pray for, pray more than that. <laughs> In other words, keep stretching. And don't even think about slowing down until you get to three hours a day. Now some people may be shocked at that and think they could never pray three hours. But I bet if we're honest, we think nothing about sitting down and watching a movie for two to three hours. Well, why not talk to Jesus for that time? It's not a long time at all. It simply reflects upon what we really value. And it reveals our understanding of what is really going to make us happy and what is really going to fulfill us in life. If we understood how vital our prayer life was to our happiness, we wouldn't hesitate for praying for a few hours. They tell us that Pope Francis prays at least two hours a day and has done for many years. So if he can do it with his busy schedule previously as a cardinal and now as a pope, I don't think we've got much of an argument to say that we're too busy. We just have to get our priorities in order. I once heard it said, if you really don't think you have enough time to pray, then here's the solution. You ready for this? Only pray during the times that you would allocate to eating. Then don't worry about eating. Why? Because you'll certainly find time to eat later. <laughs> you get the angle they're coming at there? If we prioritize prayer first, we won't be too busy to find time to eat later. It's very clever. But of course, it's no effort at all to pray if we fall in love with prayer. And Our Lady tells us the best way to fall in love with prayer is to keep praying until we do. She says, pray, pray, pray. Pray until your prayer becomes a joy for you. That's worth reflecting on. So what about those really painful experiences in life? How do we abandon those to God's will? Those ones where we have no control over whatsoever and they really just knock us straight over with the intensity of this suffering experience. Well, as Christians, we believe every cross experience can also be a resurrection experience as long as we bring Jesus into it. And it's been said that the cross experience and the resurrection experience can simply be both sides of the same coin. And we're not just talking about resurrection in the next life, we're talking about resurrection with our problems in this life. But it may take time, it may take quite a while for those cross experiences to be transformed into resurrection experiences. But we have to believe they are possible. 
And I've hoped you've experienced resurrection experiences from your crosses in your life. Because if you have, your cross experiences can be truly amazing, positive experiences in life. You may not want to go through them again, and you may not wish them on your worst enemy, as they say, but somehow you're able to look back and see God's work in it, supporting you and carrying you. In a kind of crisis experience like that, our prayer might be, Lord, I thank you and praise you for this cross. But saying it once is not enough, especially in those difficult moments. You may need to just say it over and over and over again. I've said it with tears running down my cheeks. And I'm sure many of you have experienced similar. And no doubt Our Lady would have said a similar prayer while she cried tears at the foot of the cross, watching her son being tortured and hanging on the cross. And another prayer that can really help us and build hope and kind of defy the logic of the world when the world is telling us how bad everything is in our life, we can say a prayer like this, I praise and thank you, Lord, that your love will triumph in this situation in spite of what's happening to me right now. Again, it's focusing on resurrection. I'm sure Mary knew that the resurrection was coming. It didn't ease her pain, but it did give her hope. And if we hang in there with the hope, we will experience resurrection. So surrender is a very powerful tool and it can be invaluable when we really have serious crisis in our life. In surrendering, we let go of our desired outcome and we allow God to move into our thinking and our world and bring up new possibilities that never even crossed our mind. In a practical sense, we do not force control over the issues or the concerns that are causing us pain. We let go of control. And letting go of control is really a very foundational principle that we need if we're going to live out the will of God in our lives. Now it's important we stress here that when we say we do nothing and we let God act, we are not talking about the heresy of quietism which was around in the 1600s. That's got absolutely nothing to do with what we're speaking about here. When we let go, we're not passively doing nothing, but we're actively waiting upon the Lord. Now externally, somebody else looking at us, it may look like it's the same thing. We're doing nothing. But no, we're actively waiting upon the Lord. There's a huge difference. And it means that we do indeed move, but only when God makes it clear for us to do so. I like the description that we are waiting with our antenna up. We are ready for action, but only when God leads. And sometimes going through a severe life crisis, we may be waiting a long time, maybe many months. So we have to be patient with ourselves, patient with God. But all the time we are actively waiting for God to reveal new insights, 
for God to bring healing, for God to bring wisdom, new ways of looking at the old situation. So we might just end then with looking at some wonderful quotes from this book, Abandonment to Divine Providence. I really think it's one of those books that should be on everybody's bookshelf. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend you get yourself a copy. It's easily available from all good Catholic bookstores and it's been a classic work for hundreds of years. So you can rely upon the fact that everything written in there has been tried and tested and you can see why people rave about this book. Let me just read you some of the gems that you can take away and, and reflect on. In reality, holiness consists of only one thing, complete loyalty to God's will. Perfection is neither more nor less than the soul's faithful cooperation with God. You are seeking for secret ways of belonging to God? There is only one. Make use of whatever he offers you. Again, he's showing the importance of finding God in the everyday events of our lives. It can be the most mundane thing, sweeping the floor, whatever. God can be found in the present moment. The great and firm foundation of the spiritual life is the offering of ourselves to God and being subject to His will in all things. Holiness is produced in us by the will of God and our acceptance of it. It is not produced by intellectual speculation about it. So we don't become holy by intellectual analysis. We become holy by surrendering to the will of God and accepting it with joy and discovering the beauty and the wisdom in it. And finally, the last quote. The will of God has only delights, favours and riches for all souls who are obedient to it. We cannot trust it too much or abandon ourselves to it too completely. If we leave everything to God, he will do all that is necessary for our holiness. Faith cannot doubt this. The more unreliable, disgusted, despairing and unsure of themselves the senses are, the more emphatically does faith explain, God is here. All goes well. There is nothing that faith cannot overcome. It pierces through the darkest shadows and the thickest clouds to reach the truth, embraces it, and can never be torn from it. And so finally we can summarize by saying that no one lived this better than Our Lady. She lived the will of God. She surrendered her will and understood that her happiness and her joy would only be found in God's orderly perfection of his will being expressed in creation. That wonderful gift that we have of our free will, the mystery is we're called to give that back to God. The one thing that we're given, we give back to God. But then isn't that the ultimate expression of love? 
Isn't that the ultimate expression of trust in God? No wonder God responds so generously when we give him back that gift. So it's a beautiful, beautiful concept. I hope you have enjoyed our time together today. It's something very dear to me, struggling with lots of crosses in my life, trying to understand them. And when you bring these concepts in, it just beautifully answers so many questions about life and inspires our faith and teaches us that we can have such a simple faith, yet we can be filled with such joy and happiness. But we have to let go, just like Our Lady did. And so, dear Mother, we ask you to be with us and to give us that grace to let go, to trust in God, to see his love and his mercy being expressed in all the things that we do throughout our day. Help us, dear Mother. We too can say from the depths of our heart, let it be done to me according to your word, to the will of God. Be with us, dear Mother. Pray with us and guide us. Be a mother to us and show us the way to discover this wonderful treasure. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. radio.org.au